Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Neil Howard. We're glad that you could join us for another segment. In this segment, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Antonia Chen. She's Director of Research for the Division of Adult Reconstruction and Total Joint Arthroplasty in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Brigham and Women's Hospital. She's joining us on the program to talk about her recent research that was recently presented at the 2022 American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons Annual Meeting. Welcome back, Dr. Chen. Thank you so much. It's a true pleasure to be here, and I love talking with you. Well, for those who may not be familiar with you as a contributor, give us a bit of your professional background. Of course, I mentioned your role there at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital. Yep. So I'm a hip and knee surgeon. So I do hip and knee replacements as an orthopedic surgeon, and my focus is on research. That's why meetings like the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons and American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeon meetings are so vital um, to our profession and for who we are as orthopedic surgeons in advancing research. What was the research that you presented at this year's meeting? The nice part is we presented a variety of different topics um, at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons um, because it encompasses all different areas when it comes to orthopedics, not just arthroplasty. Um, The one that I really like to focus on is implementing a weight loss program where we're doing a randomized controlled trial on having patients lose weight prior to total joint replacement either through a remote dietitian or through traditional methods such as physical therapy um, or other weight loss techniques. And this really became useful in light of the pandemic because these new dietitians were actually remotely available. Hmm. So they did everything remotely um, and they would come in for lab tests, but they would actually go one-on-one with the dietitian through Zoom because it's a beautiful medium that we have now and also be able to follow up with them through chats and through an app that made it much more accessible for patients. Is the weight on the knee usually the the major uh, factor in having to have a total knee replacement? Um, Why is it so important to implement a weight loss program before TJR? So weight is impactful for multiple different factors. And it's just one factor that can lead to knee or hip arthritis. Mm -hmm. Now, patients who have um, increased weight do have an increased incidence of knee and hip and arthritis because one pound of weight on your body is four pounds of weight on your knee and your hip. So that's a lot of force across your joints. When it comes to total joint replacement, though, specifically, a lot of us joint surgeons throughout the nation implement a body mass index cutoff of 40. And we do that because, unfortunately, the complication rises exponentially after 40. When it's under 40, there are not as many complications. So we encourage patients to lose weight so they have a, like, a less likelihood of becoming either infected or having reoperation or other complications after surgery that are affiliated with the higher body mass index. Prior to the pandemic, when people were advised to um, lose some weight or go on a late weight loss program before their surgery, was there a problem with compliance? And if so, has that problem with compliance been alleviated somewhat using telemedicine? So there's always a problem with compliance. Weight loss is incredibly hard to do. And I can say that as a human being, it's not easy to lose weight. There's no doubt about that. So being able to adhere to a program, and this is where this telemedicine, and it's actually almost an app, essentially, has been really useful because compliance is daily check-ins. All right, so it used to be, I think, a nutritionist, you'd meet with a nutritionist maybe once a week at tops, maybe once every two weeks, once every three weeks, and have regular check-ins, but not frequently. Mm-hmm. But with telemedicine and this app, the benefit has been actually much better. We've seen patients comply more than they have in the past. Now, it's still not perfect, um, but it definitely has more touch points with the patient and encourages them to stay on track more. Well, what about the hip replacement? Is it the same factors involved as far as the weight being substantially more on your joints? 
Same thing for hip replacement. So Same both thing. knee and hip replacement. Mm-hmm. Are these two types of surgeries fairly common? They're actually one of the most common procedures performed for orthopedics. So they have uh, carpal tunnels probably very commonly performed, mm-hmm. but in the Medicare population, hip and knee replacements are some of the most commonly performed surgeries nationwide. Now, once a person has lost the recommended amount of weight before their surgery, what steps do they need to take to maintain the weight loss? Is that going to be a problem once the surgery is complete if they gain the weight back? It's a very good question. So studies have looked at this and they found that patients who undergo joint replacement surgery, one third continue to lose weight, one third maintain their weight, and one third actually gain weight after surgery. Mm. So I think the key factor to your point about telemedicine and, and compliance is to keep patients going and adhering to weight loss. We actually obviously want to do it in a very healthy manner, but as patients continue to do so, it'll improve their overall health. I've had some patients who came in, they were diabetic and had a higher body mass index and their diabetes got better, their hypertension got better. So these kind of changes throughout health in order to undergo a dent replacement can actually have greater impacts on other parts of their health as well. What have you heard from people who may have been obese before the surgery as far as their movements and things of that nature, just having to do with the simple joint replacement as opposed to the weight? So the joint replacement itself has nicely um, demonstrated decreased pain and increased mobility, which is great. And that's the whole point of undergoing a joint replacement is patients can become more active. And then patients, understandably, if they're obese prior to surgery, they say, well, I, I hurt too much because my joints hurt because of the arthritis, and I can't move and do exercises as well because of that. And that makes a complete sense. So we always tell patients, you can control more of it through diet than you can through exercise. But after the joint replacement, you can exercise more. You have better mobility over time. And that actually can encourage weight loss, but more importantly, just contribute to overall improvement in health. Are there any major risks when um, contemplating a hip or or knee replacement? There's always risk factors when it comes to hip and knee replacements. Mm -hmm. Um, major risks, for example, for a hip replacement, there's a risk we call dislocation, where the ball will come out of the socket. There's always risk for infection, and that's why we try to optimize patients prior to surgery, whether it be conditions such as obesity or diabetes or other conditions that we can optimize prior to surgery. Um, there's always risk of blood clots, so we normally give patients a blood thinner after surgery. And we know that over time, the implants will wear, will wear and potentially fail over time. And on average, they last about 20 years. But we do, our, we do want to make sure that we are cognizant of this and we monitor patients for this. What about a re-fracture a uh, in some part of the area that is still natural bone as opposed to an artificial component? That's the tough part. We can't prevent bad things from happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to if you have like a trauma where you fall or things like that, you can get what we call a periprosthetic fracture. And that's a fracture around the implant itself. And the downside about that is that the treatment for it is different than if it's called a native joint or, you know, one that has not gone into replacement. So normally you need a specialist to take care of them afterwards when it comes to these bone breaks or these fractures. So some fractures can happen at the time of surgery and may not manifest itself till afterwards, um, but some happen because of a trauma. And that is something that we're definitely cognitive of um, and care about. And that, you know, leads on a different pathway of such as bone density and bone health, as opposed to things like obesity and body mass index. After losing the required amount of weight to uh, undergo the surgery, a patient could still be rather heavy. Is there special equipment that is necessary? And if a person is a a little bit uh, bigger, do they need additional uh, equipment once they go home? I think in terms of 
patients when they go home in terms of exercise, the best thing we always tell patients to do is walking is good and things like biking and ellipticals are really good as well too. Now they do have weight limit on some equipment, so they have to be cognizant of that. Um, but besides that, most of the things you can do, especially things like walking, are regardless of your weight. Um, but you do want to be careful about things like you know making sure that you have let's say get right shoes for it and you know right you know support in your bed things like that and that changes based on body habitus. So there are things that are equipment adaptations that can be of difference to different patients. Um, but most equipment, thankfully, is pretty similar, especially exercise equipment. Well, doctor, is there anything that you'd like to add for our listeners? I just want to say I'm really proud of my Brigham and Women's Arthroplasty group. When it comes to our presentations, we had multiple posters and podium presentations out there. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we kind of talked on and we touched on here is optimization programs. And one of the other presentations we had was the benefits of a total joint arthroplasty optimization program in an academic medical center where it might be harder to implement and make changes. And we worked with one of our physician assistants to optimize our patients prior to surgery. We saw a difference with regards to patient outcomes, even cost savings throughout the system. And these we found are beneficial in our academic medical center and likely are applicable to other centers throughout the country. Now, uh, just to be clear for our listeners, the research that you uh, presented was implementing weight loss before total joint arthroplasty using a remote dietitian and mobile app, a randomized controlled trial, correct? That's correct. Thank you so much for returning, Dr. Chen. Looking forward to our next conversation. It's been a pleasure speaking with you as always. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Antonia Chen. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download to SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com healthprofessionalradio.com.